Hello, ladies and gents, and welcome back to the intro. This is your host, Matt Delavalli, aka MDV, and I'm back on the mic today with my buddy, Mr. Max Isaac, and we are here to talk about the sneakers of fitness. Now, episode 65 is an absolute blast, and if you've been around the CrossFit and functional training space, you know how much people love their footwear, and we get into it. Starting all the way back in the day to the early days of CrossFit and functional training, we come through the modern day shoes, the nano era, the Metcon, and even talking about the nobles and the rads that are out there right now and everything in between. It's a really great episode. Get our opinions on some of the best and some of the worst footwear out there, and I hope you guys enjoy. Now, before we get into the episode, two things I want to make you aware of. Number one, Last Port Coffee Company. This is a personal request. Please check out this small coffee company. I am not sponsored. I own this company. This is my coffee company. You can find us on the internet at www.lastportcoffee.com. And if you use the code MDV at checkout, you save on everything on that website. Not just Last Port Coffee, but also Notorious Bastards Goods. And you couldn't be supporting two cooler and two better companies than those two. So remember, Last Port Coffee, use the code MDV. Number two, if you follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you guys have seen me talking about the program NC Flex. You can find this program two different ways. If you're training in your garage and you're looking for functional strength and bodybuilding, download the NC Fit app on the iTunes App Store, the Apple App Store. You will be able to access NC Flex every single day that way. Number two, if you're a member or looking to be a member of the NC Fit Collective, gym owners, coaches out there looking to integrate programs like this into their gym, not only do we have a fantastic functional strength and bodybuilding program, but we got you covered on GPP, strength and conditioning, and a lot of other stuff. But most importantly, every single day, your coaches are going to be armed with the blueprint that they need to go out there and run an amazing class and get their education in coaching. Daily education is what we do at NC Fit. So please check out those two things, Last Port Coffee Company and the NC Flex program, either through the app or the NC Fit Collective. Now, without further delay, grab your notebook, grab a chair, and let's learn a thing or two about footwear fitness kicks. Let's go. All right, ladies and gents, welcome back to the intro, sitting down with my main man, Mr. Max Isaac, and we are actually doing a double dip on an episode in which we had previously recorded midway through, we were spitting the hot fire as we usually <laughs> do, and then all of a sudden, Zoom, the connection, the internet, the cloud decided that, no, no, this episode was too good and it must be destroyed. Uh, I have, <laughs> literally have no idea what happened. I'm such a novice when it comes to all this computer and technology stuff. I literally open my computer, turn on Zoom, press record. And then at some point during the last episode when we were recording, it said like catastrophic failure. You have no memory left to record, which is kind of stupid to me because we're recording on Zoom. So why would it cancel the recording? But anyway, we're back. We're going to get into talking a little bit about the gear, the gear conversation. It finally comes up. The things that we do, the things that we bring, the things that we wear in the gym, mostly wear and bring. We'll talk about some of the stuff that we do there with that stuff, but Mr. Max Isaac, gear. I know that you're one of the biggest gear heads of all time in CrossFit. You like collecting all the shoes, all the shorts, all the tees. You're up to date on the latest fashion. Tell yeah. What's on well, your mind. Well, I like to, so just to be clear, I don't like don't wear a weight belt ever. Uh, I'm not like wearing ever or anymore. Oh, anymore. I don't lift heavy enough to have to wear a belt. Um, but you know, like don't wear knee sleeves anymore. I used to at one point, I've never worn wrist wraps, but the thing that you're talking about is I like to know what's out there. And so I'm constantly ordering any, like specifically like new shoes that come out so I can, talk to my members about what I like, what I dislike and <laughs> what this is, I guess. It's such I, a convenient excuse. Every person at home is like, yes, I got to write this down. I got to like make sure that I am knowledgeable <laughs> about the shoes. And that's what I'll tell my significant other when they see the fucking credit card charge for 150 bucks a month. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to be putting on an allowance soon. Um, so, but yes, I guess uh, my, my biggest thing is um, 
is footwear because I think it's just, I think it's so interesting that before there were like specific CrossFit shoes and we've talked about this before, you know, people were just like wearing chucks all the time, right? That yeah. was like a really, that was like a really big gym shoe. And then well, let's when talk, we get, let's talk about the early days of CrossFit really quickly. Let's talk about what were the options available, like in the, in the pretty early days, like before 2009, Let's call that the line. And there's way earlier days before that. So first starting out, I think you're right. I think it was like, it was Chucks. It was Vans. There was bare feet going on a lot of times too. And probably, probably like Asics, like running shoes or something. Yes. And running shoes also had a big part, even before we get into the Innovate conversation. I know everybody out there who's been around CrossFit for a little bit. It's like, what about Innovate? No, no, no. Before Innovate, people were wearing, and also there was a specific Nike shoe. I remember that uh, it was like the Nike Zero or the Nike Complete Minimal, whatever it was, that was really hot too, around the same time that the Innovates came out. But now let's talk about that first phase of CrossFit. Right. Which was what? Well, I think, I think the first phase is the Innovate uh, F235. I think that's the I think that's the model number. And this is like a really, um, really minimalistic uh, workout shoe. I just, I'm actually going to look it up right now. Um, and when, when the Innovates first came out, and we had talked about this in our last episode, it was like clam chowder, essentially, when you're ordering. It's like, oh, do you want the red or the white? It's like, no. <laughs> Innovates, there was only three colors. a red, blue, black. And that was about it. And that was the only options available for those Innovates. And there were a couple of different models that were different in like uh, slightly different weight and slightly different, I think, um, pitch of the shoe. It was like a 230 and there was also like a 195, I believe. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm looking them up right now and they're, they're still making all of these shoes, which is really cool. Yeah. I think it's like 230, 235. The, the cool thing is, you know, one thing that Innovate has, has always kind of stuck with is they're probably one of the most affordable shoes that is out right now. When you're looking at like, like price point of a sneaker, like, you know, around the 120, 130 mark, where I know if you look up like uh, what, you know, the new Nike Metcon is at, I'm sure it's like, you know, let's see. Yeah. Look you it know. up. I'm interested. And it is a little sad to me. We talked about this. Uh, we talk about this quite a bit, but even saying that 130 or 120 bucks is like affordable in terms of, shoes is kind of crazy. And I know that there's, <clears throat> there's value to these shoes for sure. There are things about them that make them a little bit more optimal for doing functional training, you know, being lightweight, being breathable, being relatively flat, being comfortable, those types of things, being durable enough to withstand things like rope climbs. And we'll talk about all the advances in technology, you know, via the Metcon and the Nano in particular. But I also just think that they're pretty wildly overpriced in general. But this is the bigger concept here in terms of this conversation is that CrossFit functional training athletes are humongous gear people in general. There's a big gear culture. And I think maybe it's um, died down a little bit. I think we've gotten away from it as the competitive aspect of the, the sport or the competitive aspect of fitness has kind of waned a little bit where it's not as like prevalent within the general gym goer. But for sure, I think just overall, the community is pretty nuts about gear and sneakers in particular. Sneakers are the big one. Right. So I'm just looking up just really quick. I'm just looking up price point for kind mm -hmm. of everything right now. And it's actually pretty much all the same because I know there are a lot of people that post like we talked about this, all the memes about how Noble. expensive Noble shoes are. But the, their, new, their new Trainer Plus is uh, 139 so that's like that's that's their their new trainers 139 the the new the new metcon is uh same price point around 140 um and i'm just looking up like the noble runners and those are like around 180 and when you compare those to like uh an a6 runner it's it's about the same uh about the same price point so i think i think where we're at right now is you're kind of paying the same same price for every shoe and it's really just a matter of of preference you know and one thing that 
Noble has done really well is they've learned a lot from um, like underground sneaker culture. Mm. And so one thing that Nike's done for a number of years is these quick strikes. And so this is when they would release, you know, one shoe in limited amounts, either on their website or in stores. And this is where you'd have people like lining up down the street. And essentially when Noble started, this is what they did. They used to do those midnight drops and all this other stuff. And, um, you know, it really helped build build their brand and it's something that's been going on in in sneaker culture for a long time so i thought it was really cool to see to see that brought into the crossfit world because you know the exclusivity thing like everybody loves it right if there's only a limited amount no matter who you are it's like you got to have them right that's you know that's also like um for anybody listening that knows like the company supreme uh company out of out of new york city and their whole thing is based on scarcity right and that's like a that's a that's a big thing there where no other companies in the in the crossfit world you know nike reebok have done that in fact it's always been like this plethora of shoes available for both those companies and noble was the first one to really make their stuff exclusive which i think is pretty cool yeah i think that well I, I don't think we can say fairly that they never did it. They, they dipped their toe into it a little bit with different models or different variants. And we'll talk about some of those, you know, as we go through, but now you're gosh, 10 plus years into the nano, you're probably seven or eight plus years into the Metcon. Yeah. And noble is kind of like modern era CrossFit fashion. And when, when those guys first came around, you're right. You know, one of the things that I think some people might forget about Noble is that it was first called the Noble Project. And it was actually like just this kind of underground capsule type of thing. And it was very grassroots, very small. The two uh, gentlemen who founded Noble actually both uh, from Reebok, one of them from CrossFit New England, um, right. had extensive backgrounds in the in the sport in the pursuit of fitness and then tremendous background in the fitness industry uh, gear wise from Reebok and they have really done an amazing job I think that they um, you know regardless of what I think about the price of their gear and I do kind of fall into the trap of being like uh-uh it's too expensive I, I think that that's kind of ridiculous but um, they sponsored a lot of the right athletes they've made a lot of the right moves and I think that for what they came out with and regardless of whether or not your personal taste fits the shoe when they dropped their first shoe it was very like very minimal very like modern looking very sleek it had that kind of all over weave pattern um but it was just black and it was just white right and then you know they have gone into a little bit more color from there but they started off very, very, very simple. And I think that that was an appeal for a lot of people because the other shoes had evolved to a point where they were kind of very evolved, very out of control in terms of like what was going on on the shoe and the different colors and all that kind of stuff. But let's back up just a little bit here because we went from where we were at with the Innovates and, you know, those became wildly popular in the CrossFit community. And one of the main knocks on those was that like the foam sole on those did not withstand a lot of the rigors that you would put it through in CrossFit or functional training workouts, specifically rope climbs. These would come apart. They would burn on the ropes. I remember that a whole lot. And then when the Reebok CrossFit partnership was signed, this is widely considered quote unquote, the first shoe that was designed for CrossFit, the Reebok nano one, the original right. easy bake oven model, which I know Mr. Max is one of your, no, favorite. that was, that was, so just so you know, the, the nano one was the microwave. The first lifter that they made was for the oven. So this is, <laughs> this was real. And I had, and I had both pairs um, again, because at CFNE, like any good box, you don't check out at the time that you buy something, you put it in the notebook. Oh, yeah, and the notebook. that is the that that is the easiest way to rack up like, you know, five hundred dollars a month in gear. So I remember like it, probably like my first month at CFNE, I bought the nano one and I bought the lifter. And the nano one you you put in the microwave, I think like for like 30 seconds, tied your shoe, 
or whatever it was. And then like would go work out and that boom, it was like molded to your foot and the lifter you would put in the oven on broil. I'm kidding. You wouldn't put on broil, but you would. <laughs> broil no, you at would, 400. Yeah, for 500 30 minutes. Just melt it. No, I forget what you did, but you would, you would, you would put the lifter in there and I, and then you would put it on and you'd go lift. And actually those lifters were like bomb proof. The lifters were bomb proof. And the, the nano one was, uh, was a great shoe. And for, I actually still, I'm like one of these guys that I'll go on eBay and buy these old sneakers. So I have like two pairs of red nano ones that are like still in the box that I'll never wear. I don't know why I got them. Like I found them for like 40 or 50 bucks and I was like, stupid not to buy this. So <laughs> it would be dumb not to purchase these. Yeah. Um, so I still, I still have a couple pairs. Well, the cool part about these that nanos that came on the scene, the first nanos is, you know, for all the knocks about the easy bake oven stuff, it was an interesting concept that they were creating this shoe that would mold to your foot after you heated it up. There were a lot of people who liked that first shoe. I think that because of the allure of it, it was designed for CrossFit. It had literally CrossFit written on it, on the tongue. And I think on the insole, um, really, and, min, really minimal branding, by the way. That was also one of the best parts about that shoe. Yeah. <clears throat> so that was also back when Reebok was still using the Vector logo, the old school Vector that eventually they got away from and they created the Delta and then they yeah. got away from the Delta. They came back to the Vector, whole branding fucking nightmare over at Reebok. But the first uh, Reebok shoe, again, simple colorways. There was yellow, there was blue, there was red, there was black. And I think there was yep. pink on the, the lady side. And then they right, also introduced like a, a lifter, an Olympic lifting shoe. And one of the advantages of the Olympic lifting shoe was the fact that they tried to design the shoe insofar that you could lift in it, but then you could also do other movements. And it. it had a flexible kind of front half of the shoe that you could yep. double unders in. You could do some box jumps in. You probably couldn't run in that sucker. I know there were some people who probably tried. But the Nano one came on the scene as that first original CrossFit shoe. But let's talk about the Nano 2, which ultimately I think became a lot of people's favorite shoe because it corrected something that I, I know a lot of people about the Nano 1 didn't like was the, the chunkiness of the Nano 1. It was chunky. It was a little inflexible. The material that they used, it was like a harder shoe just overall, and it was not ultimately super comfortable. And I think when, we, when Reebok came back with the Nano 2, you had a shoe that was evolved. It had a little bit more kind of character to it in terms of the materials that they used. It had that like breathable toe bed. And then you right. had the vector that had kind of different colors on it. This is when they, they got into the camo model. They had the neons. They had the My red, favorite. white, and blue. They went all the way into also, um, you know, customizing. Other, yeah, some customizable type of stuff. But even people, I know a lot of people on the CrossFit HQ side love the Nano 2. And there are a lot of really vocal people at the time. Saban Matosian was one of them who was like, don't make another shoe. This is it. Stop where you're at. Just kind of make small tweaks on this one and continue it on in the future. And largely, you know what? The last thing I'll say, and then I'll hand it back over to you, Max. That's how Reebok did business with the Nano. There weren't tons there were a few times that there were these big revolutions in the nano there were a couple of uh, variations of the shoe where it was like holy shit this is super super different but for the most part what they tried to do and the designers tried to do was take what people really liked about the previous models and then put it into the new model going forward and i'd have to think back a little bit when i turn it over to you here what was the first big revolution in the in the nano but the the two definitely built off of the one in a way that you could look at these two shoes side by side and be like oh i get it they're kind of related but this one is newer and more upgraded mr max what do you got well i i'm actually just i'm thinking just about shoe technology right now because i think it's a i think it's a really interesting conversation so i know right now you're like a diehard vans wearer so Always have been Okay. Okay. Always have been. Not when you worked for Reebok, but that's okay. Had to, uh, man. Company line. Yeah. It was literally right. the only thing that I could wear at the time when I worked for Reebok. But anybody who knew me did always see me rocking the vans when nobody was looking. <laughs> so I, I just think that 
chew technology is an interesting conversation because how like how much have these shoes advanced over the past 10 years for Reebok, seven years for um, for Nike? And then we talk about Noble, Noble using, you know, very minimal uh, design. Like how much technology is actually needed in these shoes? You know, like I believe you need to be able to do everything except run in your in your CrossFit trainer. And what run I mean by this, what run long distances. Yes. Like you, I think that everybody figured that out when Clovis was programmed on the main site. I know I did Uh 10 mile run, 150 burpee pull-ups. If you did that workout in a pair of your regular CrossFit trainers, you have plantar fasciitis right now. Um, you just, you <laughs> immediately, I, 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 like, uh, uh, immediately. And, and it, it's real. People were ruined. I remember from doing that workout. I remember Ben programmed that workout and everybody thought it was a joke, but what I'm saying is, I remember when that workout came up and there oh, were yeah. a lot of people who did not show up that day to do that. I workout. showed up, I showed up early. I had to hit that. It's a good workout. Um, showed but, up and did it twice. Back to yeah, back. Th- yeah. Back to back to back. So but one thing I think that you need to be able to do is you have to be able to do every single CrossFit, quote unquote, CrossFit movement in the trainers, except for running more than a mile straight. Like you should be able to run 200s and 400s, you know, without pain in your feet. Um, and like you said, the, the, the rope climb thing is also super interesting because how often do you think people are doing rope climbs, rope climbs on like a monthly basis once Right. But it, well, but within, it becomes, a, within an affiliate. Yeah. Within a, a functional training gym. Yeah, for sure. Once. And then the handstand pushup thing, which people add in, which is that little slider on the heel. You're probably doing handstand pushups once or twice or never. So it is interesting. There, there is some technology that probably isn't needed, but. Well, it's marketing. They're, right. You know, they tell this story about these shoes, obviously, that you need these things. You need these to perform the workouts. These are built specifically for the workouts that you're doing. And they're aspirational. You know, people be like, oh man, like this is going to help me out my handstand pushups. So this is going to help me out my rope climbs or my shoes aren't going to fall apart. I mean, if your shoes are falling apart, yeah, maybe you should think about getting a pair that is protecting against rope climbs and stuff like that. But for the most part, a lot of it is just storytelling. You could do all of these workouts in just about any footwear that you wanted to without being ridiculous and wearing like some sort of like high heeled moon boots. But (laughs) yeah, you know, Reebok and Nike both got into this kind of mostly Reebok, this marketing thing to create these stories around these shoes. And one of the, one of the smart things that Nike did, and this is super, super smart. Nike just came in and was like, cool, Reebok, you're going to create the market. You're going to tell all these stories about CrossFit. You're going to tell them that they need a specific shoe. And what we're going to do is we're going to create a badass training shoe. We're going to call it the Metcon. People are going to associate that with CrossFit automatically. We don't have to use the word. We don't got to pay the money. We're going to sign some big name athletes over here. And not only are we going to give it to the big name athletes, we're going to give it to everybody in our training organization. All of our big athletes are going to get this shoe and nobody's going to give a shit about wearing it because there's not this negative association that has the word CrossFit on it. That was a big deal on the Reebok side where it was like, because the shoe says CrossFit on it, some people did not want to wear it and they did not want to put it into different business units. They didn't want to put it into running. They didn't want to put it into like basketball. They didn't want to put it into all these other aspects of Reebok. Nike didn't have that problem. Nike was like, okay, cool. Reebok, you created the market. We've got a big brand. We're going to sign Matt Frazier. We're also going to give this shoe to like Tiger Woods. And now everybody is going to know about the Metcon, which was a huge, huge, huge shoe for them. I think it's like the number one all-time training shoe for Nike. Well, let's be serious here. Growing up, you were walking into school with one of two shoes. Nikes or Jordans. That's it. Those are the, I'm, I'm being serious. Like I'm just taking it right back to being in middle school or high school. And there are some outliers here. I get it. You're going to have some people chime in. And again, I say chime in, nobody's responding back to us on this, but um, people are going to talk about shell toes. Right. And believe me, I, 
you know, there, uh, when the Iversons came out from Reebok, that was like a really big deal. And there's kind of these one-offs, these shoes that did really well, but Nike's the goat. There's, there's, there's no better shoe company out there. That's just how it is. They've, I, I agree with you. I think in, in, in modern terms, you know, especially when Nike signed Jordan, everything changed, everything changed. Reebok was actually beating Nike in the United States for market share before that Reebok had come out with the pump. It was into this like really like uh, street culture, basketball culture type of thing where they were bridging this gap between classics and fashion. And they were doing this awesome stuff with this technology of the pump that really got them onto the scene. And they were, they were the Kings for a little bit. When Nike signed Jordan, everything changed. What Jordan did for the Nike brand and for Jordan brand shoes is mind boggling, bogglingly different than anything else that has ever happened within the shoe industry. I mean, and you could make maybe a comparison down the road to, to what, uh, Kanye did for Adidas, but even that, I, I don't think that holds a candle because of how mm. big the Jordan brand had gotten, but that's the power of somebody like that. They changed, he changed the whole perception of what Nike was. And then that bled over into the other business units that they had. And but uh, you just never looked back. You just said it best. This is what they do. They sign the best. What do you think they did in CrossFit? I mean, anybody that's listening, if you're not regarding Matt Frazier, as the best CrossFit athlete of all time, just go back, look at the history. He's the best. There's nobody better than him. And, and I, we could have a whole podcast on this because I know there's this whole argument of Frazier versus Froning. Uh, I feel personally that, that Frazier is the best because I actually saw Matt Frazier and spent time with Matt Frazier in the beginning of his career and saw what he was able to do throughout the years. But anyway, there's a reason why Nike signed Matt Frazier and why they built their functional training brand around Matt Frazier, right? That's what they do. Inside baseball here, a little gossip, a little hearsay about the, the Frazier signing. I love gossip. Well, I cannot confirm or deny this, but this is the story that went around was that originally Matt was interested in signing with Reebok and he wanted to come and be a part of the Reebok team. There were so many athletes that were signing with Reebok. It was like the pinnacle of Reebok within fitness and within CrossFit. Everybody was there, man. They were giving out big money sponsorships. It was like where all the cool kids were sponsored, all the big name athletes. And Nike really hadn't made humongous plays just yet into the athlete signing arena. But there was a discrepancy. There was a disagreement. This is, again, a little bit of gossip. Maybe we can get Matt Frazier to confirm or deny this one day. A little bit of gossip here is that Matt wanted to be able to represent Redline Gear, which was Matt O'Keefe's company. And he has been undyingly loyal to Matt O'Keefe forever. Uh, Matt O'Keefe, obviously the former head of Loud and Live and now onto the now CEO of HWPO, Matt Frazier's Hard Work Pays Off brand. He originally had a clothing line called Redline Clothing and Matt Frazier wanted to be able to wear- I, I got, no, no. You know, no big deal, but I was, you know, kind of on flow from them getting some free gear. Thanks, Matt O'Keefe. Oh, really appreciate you, dog. Love wearing that stuff. The red line, the red line sponsorship. Anyway, Matt Frazier was going to be a big athlete, wanted to represent his his homeboys clothing brand. Reebok said, no, this is an exclusive head-to-toe deal. We don't want you wearing any other brands. No shout-outs. You can't put red line in any small way on our gear, even if it's not red line gear. And Matt was like, nah, I'm gonna go over to Nike and see what those guys say. And to Nike's credit, they were like, fuck, wear, how, wear whatever Reebok uh, Redline gear you want. We don't give a shit. Just put the shoes on. And that was the history, I think. Well, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. but if I was Reebok, I'd be like, shit, man, probably should just sign him to that shoe oh, deal. Oh, it's a fucking ridiculously dumb move. It's a ridiculous right. move. Um, but, well, again, we can we can get into to all this, but I do think that's, that's freaking amazing. What, and this is another thing that I that I think is really cool about, about Matt Frazier is I'm pretty sure he's the same guy that he's always been, even, you know, eight years ago when I first met him at the uh, Reggie Lewis center, you know, like has been an incredibly loyal guy, but anyway, let's, let's, let's stick to, let's stick to footwear here and bring us back to footwear. Where are we at? And and, well, it, it just, it wouldn't be complete without 
we should just talk about some of our favorites. So why before we get into our favorites, okay. we <laughs> I gotta pull you back just a little bit because I'm looking at this chart of the, the nano history over here on my left. And uh-huh. we, we start off with the, the nano one in 2011. Then you have the nano two in 2012, 2013, the nano three, the nano four in 2014, those first four shoes, ostensibly they all look the same with some modernization as you go on a little bit. I'm looking at the nano four and the nano five, and there's a humongous difference between those two shoes. And then as you come around, I think the nano six was a humongous shoe for Reebok because it, it kind of took all the things that everybody loved of the first five models and brought it into the nano six. I don't nano like that seven shoe at all. A huge flop. Yeah. Nano seven was a flop. And then they well, no. really hit home runs. I think from there on out with the, the eight, the nine, the X and the X one, those shoes have all been great, but a lot of people shit on the threes, the fours, and I think the sevens. I think that th- that's probably the shoes when you look at the Reebok line that most people go, eh, probably could have skipped that one. Personally, favorite wise, where are you at, Mr. Max? Uh, well, I'm, I'm going back and looking through all these shoes. I don't like a lot of them. So I think the Nano 6, you, you said people love that shoe. I don't know. I don't like that Delta. And I hate, I hate like, I hate all the branding. That's what I really don't like. I want like no branding on my shoe. Um, but my, my favorite shoe. Well, the Nano 6 is, was the first one that brought the, the Delta onto the side of the shoe. You know, they had yeah. released the Delta um, at some point earlier on. They were trying to get it to land in the community and then they stapled it onto the side of the Nano 6. But one of the cool things about the Nano 6 that I think a lot of people did like was that there were a lot of options for colorways with that shoe. And it just was a very, very comfortable, wearable shoe. And then the Nano so, 7, the one that they came out with next, was a nightmare. So this opinion. is this is my favorite shoe. I Nobody can see it, but I, I, I'm going to show you there. So that's the Nano X Unknown. And this is, this is my favorite Nano for working out in. And I think I have a pair it's in my the closet. Mid, the mid-high knit boot Nano that came out. Um, around 2019, 2020. And this was a little bit of an obscure shoe that Max is talking about. It's a mid-cut shoe that has a built-in sock. It's called the Nano X1 or the Nano X Unknown. And um, I don't really think a lot of people bought that shoe, Max. I think you might be in the minority here. I think that shoe was not a huge commercial success. No, it it wasn't um, because they're like, nearly impossible to um to find online but of course come on i can find anything online if you look hard enough uh and if you get things shipped from uh from obscure locations uh from ebay but i i have uh i think i have three pairs of these so one thing that i love to do and Brittany hates that i do is whenever i find something that i really like i always buy like three of them in case I can never find them again. Because I mean, that's, so first off, like that's, that's a real stressor for me. Are you, you know, a hoarder? You, no. Am um, I going to pull up hoarders one day on Netflix and see uh, a camera crew following around your house and you're just gonna be buried in a pile of nanos well, eating would, what 30 old paleo power meals or something? <laughs> no, no, but hold on. So I'm not, I'm not, a hoarder. In buckets. I'm, I'm not a hoarder. I am, uh, I'm a collector. I like collections of things, but I also purge a lot. And so when there you know are- who also says that? Hoarders. No. I'm not no. a hoarder, I'm a collector. No, <laughs> and hoarders don't purge their stuff oh, at true. all. I, I purge myself, but I am, like I said, I am somebody where if I find something that I really like, I'm going to buy a couple of them. Because what if I can never find them again? I'm also not like a, like a doomsday prepper. So it's not like I have a whole, you know, a whole bomb shelter filled with stuff. It's just for CrossFit stuff, all right? I just want to make sure that I have enough if something happens. So I always have a couple of pairs. So the Nano X Unknown, that's my favorite Nano. I'm also going to give you my favorite Metcon right now, which is uh, the Nike DSX Flyknit 2. 
super specific. It's again, if you go look it up online or have uh, actually have our assistant pull it up for Jamie, you. Jamie, pull that uh, up. Yeah. <laughs> There's no Roger, <laughs> can you can you pull that up? So the Nike DSX Flyknit 2 is um is my all-time favorite uh Nike trainer. And then really quick, my favorite kicking around shoe, um black upper, white bottom, uh Vans era. That's my that's my favorite. Uh real ones know you buy two pairs every year and you wear them without socks. And uh, you throw it, it. just destroy destroy the insides of them and your feet. You have to burn with hot fire when you take them off because Uh, stankiest feet of all time. You you stink. So give us, give us some of your, give us your favorite, your favorite nano. I don't know if you, I don't even know if you're a Nike guy. I think that you might be too, you know, too, too like, well, you're, you're like, you you know, you're too cool. There are some Nikes that I like, but the most of the Nikes that I like are SBs. I, I like, some of their skate shoes. I like some of their classics. Um, I was never a huge, huge Nike guy. Uh, I got into a little bit of like Air Force One type of stuff for a while back in the day and some classics, Mm. some Jordans, but um, I don't wear any Nike shoes right now. And actually through my CrossFit functional training career, I was never a big Nike wearer, mostly because I couldn't put them on my feet ever. So working for Reebok, that was like the cardinal sin you can't wear a Nike, but you know, I wore them to test and just to compare here and there. But before we talk about some of my favorite shoes of all time, I think we should talk about some of like the obscure variants that came out, especially on the Reebok side, because they had three or four models in there that were like kind of random and small capsule collections. One of the big ones was during the nano three era, the nano three was this like rubberized indestructible shoe. And when you looked at the Nano 3, like you could feed, this could be a dog's chew toy. And it probably was for a lot of people. And it would probably still be fine to wear to the gym because this motherfucking thing was indestructible. But one of the cool things, the cool things that they did about that shoe, and I actually think that this is probably one of the coolest Reebok Nano variants to ever come out, was they created a high top version of that shoe. Yeah, the Nano 3 high top, it was almost like a tactical type of it's it's called it's called the tactical training shoe yeah a tactical training shoe it came in uh kind of military colorways it was black it was sand i think there was an od green at one point um that shoe was beautiful and i talked to you a little bit about this off camera but there were two people who got endless amounts of those shoes one of them was rich froning senior the dad and at the time in 2013, Rich Froning was the man. So if he wanted something, he got it. And his dad got whatever he wanted too. He got probably fucking shipping container full of those. So if you're really looking for him, maybe start hitting up Cookville, eBay or Facebook <laughs> Marketplace. Maybe he's selling those things. And the second person was Seth Rollins, the WWE superstar. He would wear the black versions into the ring. And he did so for a few years before his character changed and all that kind of stuff. But another shoe that was pretty... I don't want to say popular, but it kind of made some waves when it first came out. It, I think it came out around the same time as the Nano 5 was the Nano or Froning, excuse me, it was a Froning variant of the Nano called the Compete shoe. And this shoe was very, very different looking. It was smaller, it was sleeker, it was lighter. It was specifically built for competition only. And this was like the marketing gimmick that they associated with it. They were like, you want to win in competitions, you got to buy the compete shoe, which is like a $200 shoe. And you got to only wear it when you compete. Let me give you my opinion on that. That's fucking nonsense. You should be training in a similar or the exact same shoe that you're going to compete in. You should break in your shoes. You shouldn't be comfortable with them. If you're only wearing a shoe to compete in and it's like bothering your foot, that's the biggest nightmare of all time. That's like eating a humongous meal of some sort of exotic cuisine the day before or the day of your competition being like, ah, let's just see what happens. And I may or may not blow my shorts out during this squat clean. Not a, a little bit, a little bit of fettuccine Alfredo before a 5k Michael <laughs> <You> gotta, Scott style. <laughs> Got a carb up, carbo loading. Um, with the compete shoe, the biggest knock on that shoe was that it was not super durable. And for the price that you paid for it, the thing fell apart pretty, pretty quickly. They did go back in and make some changes to the design of the shoe that 
through future ver uh, through future releases of the same shoe, it became a little bit more sturdy. But there were people who were sending that shoe back after a couple of times wearing it. It was just like fucking completely falling apart, which so, is nonsense for a two hundred dollars shoe. It's a uh, it's such a good looking shoe. So I'm I'm, it's a cool shoe. I'm looking I'm looking at it right now. It's a really great looking shoe. It's super simple. It is sleek. It just says like Reebok on the back heel. I I love the look of it. Um, but yeah, you know. So first off, there is something about like wearing a special shoe when you're when you're competing. You know, like if you think about um, NFL players, for instance, there's a lot of times where they wear like a brand new cleat um, for for a game. So actually. Uh, most notably in the Super Bowl, um, Odell Beckham Jr., I think his cleat was a $200,000 cleat. And um, he had over 1,500 diamonds inlaid in the shoe. So that that's kind of wild, just side note there. But yes, I agree. You can't just have a can't just have a regular you know can't just have a regular shoe for or a compete shoe for a local competition. Um, so, all right, you gave us a little history. You've kind of you beat around the bush enough. I beat around we, the bush. I, yeah, I beat around the bush a little bit here and giving you my favorite all time uh, CrossFitter training shoe. And what I will but, say here before I reveal my favorite oh my god shoe is that I'm still a diehard Vans wearer. If you guys are following me on social media, you see me wearing just classic Vans, low top, about as cheap as you can get in the Vans lineup. I think they're like $49 for a pair of those shoes. I just like that they're absolutely classic looking. You can never go wrong in a pair of Vans. And Max, you're 100% right. You got to keep a couple of pairs on deck. You have to have a pair that you knock around in or wear that you don't care how stinky it gets. Then you have to have the same color that you completely never, ever, ever wear in any sort of situation where you might get them dirty. And then you right. have a backup pair after that. That's like the reserve pair, just in case one of those two shits the bed. But that's, but that's pairs. the, that, that's the advantage of buying a $50 sneaker. And so that's real. You buy a $50 sneaker, you can have three pairs for the price of one. So I, I do like that. My, my biggest concern, and I don't really, I don't really have this problem because I think that I have kind of normal feet, but like there are lots of people like, for instance, my fiance, Brittany, who complains about like, oh my God, like my feet hurt so much in those shoes. I've like never experienced foot pain from any pair of shoes that I wear. I think I just have very normal feet. Um, but my big concern with like the, with like the Nano or not, excuse me, not the Nano, wearing Vans would be like, should I do box jumps in these? But then again, I mean, come on, does MDV even do box jumps? He probably <laughs> does. He probably does bot weighted box step-ups. And then at the top of the step-up, you do like a curl into like a strict press. So you do like a box step-up into like an Arnold press. I feel like that would be a movement that, that you would like patent. So I doubt you're I, like, when's the last, honestly, when's the last time you've done a box jump? You don't do box jumps. I don't do box jumps the same way I used to do them where I'm doing like 9,000 reps of box jumps and I'm just repeating them over and over again. And I'm just springing off my Achilles tendon and waiting for it to snap. No, I don't. No, stop it. No, but what I do do is I do a lot of tall box jumps for explosivity. Now I really like combining um, back squat and box jump into like a kind of a leg day where I get a little bit explosive after doing the squats. And I do do box jumps. I always, always, always step down off my box jumps. Now I never rebound box jumps every, anymore. I never will again. This is kind of goes into the handstand push-up conversation with me. For me, there's just no value in doing that. That I have, I get no training positive value out of rebound rebounding box jumps. The only thing that I think you're doing there is obviously you're speeding up the repetitions to get more work done faster, but you're just using uh, kind of uh, all of the, the, the attention from the jump down into the spring back up. And that's really where you see the Achilles tendon. I wasn't lying about that. Be in the most jeopardy 
is on the way down, you have all of this energy, and then you recoil and then you spring back up. First of all, I don't really think that it does anything additionally for your body in terms of like what the physical benefit that you're getting out of it. It just puts all the pressure onto your Achilles. So, um, no. well, hold on. That's because you don't have a sub 20 Kelly time. That's okay. Ooh, that's okay. That's okay. I think I did at some point, but I'm, anyway, I'm sure you did. It's a great um, workout. Let's get back to talking about training shoes. And for anybody out there wondering if you can do functional training workouts without wearing a Reebok Nano, without wearing a Nike Metcon, you 100 Or a Noble trainer. You have to put Noble, Noble in there. Or, or a Rad. Yes, yes, yes. Or an Innovate. And I will, just so you know, I will report back my Rad. It looks like my Rad order has shipped. So for those listening, the first time that we recorded this episode, which was on uh, Friday. Friday. And this is Sunday um, morning. This is Sunday morning and we are both feeling spectacular because we don't do anything. Um, <laughs> you know, well, I don't know. Some, some people wake up Sunday morning and they feel terrible. I wake up Sunday morning and I feel great. Um, so my rad, my rad shoe has shipped. So I'm excited to try them out. Um, and oh, and it looks like there's an estimated delivery date of Monday, which is only one day. Can we just talk about Who's your carrier? Um, Who's the carrier there? Because if it's uh, UPS or FedEx, you might as well just say, uh, whatever, the delivery date means nothing. That So first off, I would believe that if I didn't hold my delivery guys in such high regard. First off, at, at our Waltham location, which is the, you know, the gym that I've been at. By the way, we're coming up on six years, March 4th. So that's pretty cool. Um, congratulations. Thank you. But my USPS, my UPS and my FedEx guy, they are unreal. They are so good. Now, not, not going to lie here. Apparently this is illegal. You're not supposed to tip these guys in cash for the holidays. I always do. They are the best because if you think that nobody really listens to this podcast and so nobody's going to report you. Okay, first off, people do listen. It's a great podcast, but here's the thing. Um, whether you are getting stuff shipped to the gym, if you're a gym owner, or getting shipped to your house, and you get gym equipment shipped on a regular basis, and you don't treat those delivery guys with like the utmost respect for lugging all your shit to your driveway, wherever, you got to check yourself. Like the amount of stuff that I've ordered to the gym the amount of bumper plates, amount of dumbbells, kettlebells, D-balls, all this stuff. I'm like worshiping the ground that these guys walk on. So anyway, wait, they long didn't story sign short, up to carry people's gym equipment from their trucks into the gyms. Man, they, their job. Oh my God. First of all, talk about a job that's probably thankless most of the time. Because if something shows up on time and at your door and undamaged, that's the expectation, right? But if, well, somebody, if something shows up just a little bit late or slightly like banged up, you're like, oh, these fucking guys, like, what do they do with this package? Like Ace Ventura style, kicking it down the hallway as they're coming into the well, apartment building. Well, you know, but for, I, I, let's no, just, hold on, hold on. Hold, no, you, hold. <laughs> you, you know, you know who ruined this for us? It's Amazon. And oh, this is, yeah. and this is, this is what has ruined people is that before, when Amazon was just for buying books, first off, when you got a gift certificate 10 years ago for Amazon, you're like, what the fuck? I don't want to get more books. But anyway, now if shipping takes more than two days, you're losing your mind. Anyway, I, I don't want to go get too far off base because I certainly could here. We're still, I think we're still waiting for your favorite training shoe, for God's sake. We know that you wear Vans, all right? But you have to give us some of your favorite training shoes. Well, my favorite training shoe would be the van. I, I think that van, vans would be my favorite all-time training shoe. I like the style. I like the look. I like the feel. I like the simplicity. I like the fact that like I can spend $50 on them and destroy them, knock them to pieces. And as vans, if anybody who's a vans wearer out there, as they get beat up, the more character those shoes have, especially your knockaround pair. You want your fresh and clean pair, obviously, to look fresh and clean when you're going out with your your buddies or significant other, whatever, but your knockaround pair, all those sweat marks, all the scuffs, it's more character to them. My favorite all-time training shoe from Reebok, I would have to say, 
I really like the Reebok Nano X, which is the more modern version, the 2020 version of the shoe. I thought that that was an incredible variation of the shoe that came around 10 years almost into the evolution of footwear for Reebok and to kind of come out with one of the best shoes 10 years in. That's pretty damn cool. I, I think that that was probably my favorite all time Nano aside from the Nano two. I was a big nano two guy as well. I thought they were just really cool looking. They were light. They were breathable. They had some cool colorways in there. I really liked the gray colorway with the neon orange in there. I thought that was pretty slick looking. Oh, actually the, the, the nano two was re-released and um, that's when they re-released that orange colorway, which I really liked too. That It was like almost all orange. I think, I think I have a pair um let me find them yep yeah the nano two and they're like they're they're that neon that neon orange that's a yep, good shoe with the white. now follow-up question and now we're going to get personal this is what the people really want to know Ooh. everybody knows that you don't like wearing shorts that you are um like a gym class hero type of apparel guy like you like to wear long pants you like to wear long sleeves unless tarps are off and i mean giving the people what they really want but what i want to know is are you like a boxer brief guy or do you wear spandex like do you wear like a you know above the knee spandex or do you just wear like simple boxer briefs oh we're getting personal here if anybody can still- you imagine if he, if he just goes jock strap <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like you're, so you're a real you... serial killer if you're wearing nothing underneath your workout outfit if you're just uh if you're free flowing and no, some no, gray no, sweatpants no. here that's not gonna that is that <laughs> is um, that is anybody. that is irresponsible um so okay boxer brief spandex what's what's going what's the undergarment of choice so let me back up a little bit because i think that yes i am a guy who i really like wearing sweatpants or joggers or my my favorite kind of pant right now that I move around in and kind of hang out in and also work out in is the Viore or Viore rip stop uh, pant. I love that pant. It's super, super comfortable. You can work out in it. You can squat in it. They look really clean. I'm not sponsored in any way, shape or form by them. I can't even spell the company name, let alone pronounce it. Those guys, I have no idea how they're a successful company. I don't know how you do that. You name something that somebody somebody can't pronounce or spell. But the reason that I started wearing joggers when I was working out, and this is uh, anybody who, who, who has this condition might, might empathize with me, is that I had really bad psoriasis as a kid growing up. Like as I was growing up, I had it like all over my back. It was all like in my hair as a little kid. And then it went completely away for a really long time. And when I started doing CrossFit and lifting a lot more, for some reason, when the barbell would slide up and down my shins for all the deadlifts and all the snatches and all the cleans and other stuff that we would do, it created this like long track on my shins of psoriasis. It was, it was a weird kind of phenomenon for me. It was like this bright color, different color skin on my shins. And I was like, man, this has got to be just from the irritation of the barbell. So I started wearing joggers and seeing if that would help. And it did help for me. Um, So I just fell into the habit of continuing to wear them. When I was at Reebok, I would wear the Reebok joggers. And they had a few years of joggers that absolutely killed it. They had awesome, awesome, awesome training pants. And then I would wear the Reebok uh, CrossFit compression. The long compression was always my favorite, which was like thigh length up to the, the waist. And I think that they had some really, really great compression there. They got a little fancy with the compression at different points where they tried to use some tape in there, some like tape and some glue on these compression instead of sewing them. It was Kevlar. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they, well, they had Kevlar on them too, which was nonsense. That was just marketing, but there were a few versions of the compression that were expensive that if you bought them and they had that tape or that glue and you would squat in them, man you better be wearing pants because you blew everything out underneath there. And at the bottom of the squat, you had some berries hanging out down there sometimes. So, <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> anyway, with currently where I'm at with like my own training right now, I'll, I wear just regular boxer briefs um, to train it, or I still have so many pairs of the old Reebok compression that I throw those on underneath pants and rocking and rolling. But let's get beyond that and more so into what you wear, Mr. Max, if you're going to walk into the gym 
to work out. You don't have to necessarily tell us about your underwear choices, but like, what's your typical workout outfit? So, um, I don't, I only wear t-shirts either from tilt or from like other CrossFit gyms. I don't really, I don't really like, um, wearing like a specialty, like metal vent t-shirt. Um, but what I do love is, um, the noble short spandex. So that's what I wear underneath my shorts. It's just their, their regular above the knee compression spandex. Yep. Yep. Their, their compression. Um, is it like, a, are they attached to shorts or is it just like no compression no. underwear? Compression underwear. I am anti anti built in. Um, I'm usually anti built in too, but for jujitsu built in liner has actually been a godsend. Okay. Cause so you don't get pantsed. Um, so, cause that's like the ultimate jujitsu move is they pants you, then they choke you out. Um, well, if you get pants with built in liners, you're getting pants and everything's coming down. Oh uh, yeah. That's not good. That's, that's not, not good, good either. Not good. So, so hold on. So I wear, so I wear the noble, noble, uh, compression spandex. And then I like the, the noble knit short that's cut above the knee. I, I like shorts that, that are cut above the knee one or two inches. Uh, I don't think anybody wears basketball shorts anymore. I know there are some old videos or pictures of Hobart wearing uh, like shorts cut below the knee, like old basketball shorts with like air, uh, with like air walks on. And like, and he used to have this like little sweatband. On oh, his Hobart was a fashion icon, man. He wore, yeah. he wore some uh, nonsense stuff out there when he was first competing. He wore like some, I don't know. They were like uh, Scottish sweatpants or something. They were like, they had these like, uh things on the thighs that would like flare out and then they got really tapered down towards the ankle and then he had these potato shoes on and he looked like a little kid out there who got lost and then all of a sudden he started moving around you're like oh my god this kid is amazing but what is he he's wearing? a he's a beast um yeah he's so a anyway that's the best that, that's that's what i like to wear um noble i like i like all the noble apparel i don't i don't wear their sneakers i love uh, like I said, that knit short, the apparel, whatever stuff I can get from uh, like t-shirts from my affiliate. And then in the winter, I'm a big, uh, I love coming in in like a full sweatsuit mm. and then like getting myself nice and warm. I love like being a little bit sweaty before I work out. There's nothing worse than feeling a little bit cold. That is true. In the winter, you got to bundle up, especially in New England, because it is frigid. You know, one thing I want to hear, I know that you got a hard stop here, Mr. Max, but one thing I want to wrap up on is, you know, as we're talking through some of this stuff, I think there's a big difference for coaches and athletes out there, mostly coaches. Let's change this conversation to coaches that you certainly will have workout gear that looks like workout gear, that looks like things that you've trained in for years, that shoes that you have knocked around in or pants that might have like some scuffs or some, maybe some tears in them. And they might be super comfortable or sweatpants that look a little like maybe frumpy is a good word for it or whatever. But, you know, in, in my opinion, I think one of the things that separates people who really care what care about what they do is, is care about their appearance when they're going out there to coach classes. And I think that there's a difference between, you know, good workout gear or workout gear that you're comfortable in and then workout gear that you reserve for coaching in. And making sure that when you're showing up to coach, that your outfit is something that you could be proud of, that you could walk around like the grocery store afterwards and people aren't looking at you. Yes. I'm like, you know, like, what the fuck? Did you just roll out of bed? Or like, why do you have like lucky charms, you know, uh, on your shirt from like when you ate breakfast this morning or whatever? Like you have to be able to have that professional fitness look, that fit pro look in terms of everything's kind of clean and crispy. You look like you showered, you did your hair, you got a nice pair of shoes on, you have joggers on that aren't like just like completely dusted over with chalk and handprints and spit and mucus or whatever. And then you got a really nice top paired with it. I particularly think that's really important. If I'm walking into a gym and I see a coach who looks put together automatically, I think that this person is on a little bit of a different level than somebody who's, you know, got their hand down their pants, scratching their ass or whatever, and wearing something looks like they just did like, you know, three or four workouts in with sweat stains all over the place. So no, listen, if you're, if you're coaching a class, it needs to be, the outfit is new for that class. It is completely unacceptable to wear workout gear while you're coaching. That's the mic drop from me yeah. because 
you got to have you got to have a nice outfit on no tuxedos. I agree. I think we'll probably come around to this subject again because there's some other stuff that we want to talk about in terms of like what's in your gym bag. What are you bringing into the gym? What's the most valuable gear in terms of helping performance out there? We didn't talk about any other fitness cultures like the bicyclists that we see on the road out there wearing. Well, we can do that next time. <laughs> absolutely everything and everything that they could ever find. That is a uh, nutso gear culture. But Matt, hey, if you have not watched the documentary on Netflix called Downfall, the Boeing story. It is All right. an incredible and also a super, super, super sad and frustrating and tragic look at the Boeing company and how things change for them. In particular, how the 737 MAX plane, which two of them fell out of the sky and tragically killed everybody on board in 2018, I believe in 2019, or it might've been 2017, 2018, they were months apart and how Boeing essentially knew about these design flaws in this plane and did everything in their power to cover it up. It's fucking horrific, but it is a awesome, awesome, awesome documentary. It's called Down. I will, I will watch that before we chat next time. Matt, I hope that you have the best Sunday ever. I appreciate See you next time, folks. Yeah. Hello, friends. MDV here. Thank you for listening to the Intro with MDV podcast. And if you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe for weekly downloads wherever you listen to your podcast. Remember, we have a new episode coming to you every Tuesday. And if you have time and five stars to spare, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. If you're looking for more out of me, MDV, you can find me on Instagram at MDV underscore FIT. Until next time, friends, let's go.